Judge Shaw, Injury Law, 732-888-8888. Matt Judd. Team Justice. Team Judd. The injury accident professionals. First class service. Judd gets it done. Maximum compensation's our goal. See JudgeShawInjuryLaw.com. Team Judge Shaw, Injury Law, 732-888-8888. Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Who's the most interesting man in Shortown? Bet you wouldn't have guessed Blue Claws head groundskeeper Mitch Hillert. He's played baseball in 10 different countries all over the world. In fact, he spent time as a both groundskeeper and pitcher for a team in the Bundesliga in Germany. Mitch, our guest today on Hook, Line, and Splitter, presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law. Judge Shaw Injury Law understands the toll injuries take on families, and we're here to help. For a free consultation, call 1-866-909-6894. Visit JudgeShawInjuryLaw.com. That's Judd with two Ds, ShawInjuryLaw.com. So, Mitch Hillert, uh, our guest today, Blue Claws head groundskeeper, former professional baseball player in Europe. He's also a member of the Irish national baseball team, so we talk about that as well. And then how we got into groundskeeping and his time here with the Blue Claws, which began just a few short months ago. So let's get right to it. Hook, line, and splitter presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law with the most interesting man in Shortown. It's Blue Claws groundskeeper Mitch Hillert, and it's coming up now. We call him the most interesting man in Shortown. He's Blue Claws head groundskeeper Mitch Hillert, and he's our guest on Hook, Line, and Splitter here today. Mitch, welcome. How are you? Good. Uh, thank you for having me on this today and enjoying a beautiful day today at the stadium. Yeah, so we're sitting up here atop uh, Shortown Ballpark in the press box overlooking the field. Beautiful day for a baseball game. Blue Claws will play two of them, but down in Aberdeen. So, uh, Mitch, first, uh, how did you get here? Mitch, is, Mitch uh, joined the Blue Claws probably, what, late February? Uh, late March, actually. Late March. So what were you doing before you came uh, Before you came here? And then we'll get to your pretty fascinating backstory. Uh, I was working part-time with the New York Rebels as a, a game day slash working as much as I can with them, doing all the routine stuff that they do and learning as well on the staff. What's it? What's the difference between soccer and baseball from a groundskeeping standpoint? The clay. Soccer, you just have to worry about the making sure the pitch is the right moisture. and. The pitch is the field, by the way. Yeah, yeah. the pitch is the, the soccer field. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to make sure that the grass is just the right moisture on there and having it perfectly green. And you got to go to a baseball field, it's more of the clay work, the mound, the home plate clay, the infield, and making sure that the batters, the hitters, the um, pitchers feel comfortable pitching off of that and hitting off of it, and then making sure that the ground balls don't get bad hops. Yeah. So yeah, a lot more, uh, a lot more to deal with, of course. We'll come back to that, but uh, I guess I wanted to start with uh, your time in Germany, pitching there in the the Bundesliga uh, on the baseball side. How did you end up there in the first place? I was playing a independent league that was just a startup, and one of the guys that was 
joined the league. He's a catcher from Argentina with an Italian passport that was living in Germany with his now wife and the soon um, kid coming soon. Me and him got along very well. I eventually found out I can get my Irish citizenship. And through the Bundesliga, they accept EU players to play in all the games without any restrictions. Because if you're a non-EU player, you're only allowed to play in one game or a certain amount of non-EU players allowed to play in a game. So, me and him just kept in touch. Played uh, my first year with the Irish national team in 2018. And then the year after, I went over with him to the Manhattan Tornadoes in 2019. And got the experience... A whole team that was filled of um, national team players between Germany, Australia, um, Argentina, Belgium, and maybe I think Venezuela as well. The Mannheim Tornadoes. What part of Germany? Um, it's probably about an hour from Frankfurt. So I spent two years there. First year was a great year. Second year was the COVID year. And finally, like, it, the season got pushed back, pushed back until the government allowed that the sport was a professional sport there. And then um, when the borders opened and the rules started to change, I got on, like, the first flight over there, joined them for the few games that they played. year after, I decided to go to Regensburg, Germany for the Regensburg Legionnaire. Went there for the past two years and decided to work there as well as the head groundskeeper and since I was already an EU citizen as well it didn't have to go through strict visa settings and all that stuff I just had to just show that my you had an Irish, passport. Irish passport showed it to the, the government officials and then you just go through the you get your tax ID and that's it so Mitch is a left handed pitcher uh, what level of baseball would you say you have over there Depending on the teams, it could be a maybe high school level, and then the, the top probably three teams have single A to triple A guys that have played already, and then two, three teams had a few guys that already touched Major League Baseball. Who who are some of the bigger teams? Um, Heidenheim, Heidi Copa Heidenheim, uh, Bond Capitals, Paderborn. And then Regensburg Legionnaire and then Mannheim was a little bit of competitive, but now they're just slowly... A couple of... Yeah. So, how many teams are in the league? Um, there is, I believe, eight teams in the north and eight teams in the south. Oh, it's a pretty big league. Yeah. Yeah. And then, how are the how are the fields, how are the, the stadiums, and, and how's the fan support? The The top two, three teams have good sized stadiums they probably have um at least four sections of like the stadium and about 12 rows back so it probably fits about maybe a thousand people um usually at the bigger games you get between 500 to almost 1500 people at a game and the fans are very competitive so it sounds a lot louder with all those fans than yeah. having a whole packed stadium of everyone spread out. Yeah, no, 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 for sure, for sure. Ha has it? How has baseball grown over there? It's definitely picking up a lot of pace because of uh, 
a lot of the military um, influence helped it, and then now that they see that, like American military bases, yeah, that's where, where they, yeah. that's where it all like started out. So Mannheim was right next to Ramstein, where it still is. So that was like the big military area, so everyone would go to Mannheim to go play. Now it's spread out. They built the Regensburg, which is basically a MLB academy there slash like their own like German training center. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge academy for kids that are eighteen and under, and it goes all the way down to thirteen, fourteen years old. And they have like a boarding school in there, and then they send them to their their high schools. And then if it's a kid from a different country, they have schooling for them as well now because it's online. They could do online courses to fit their need instead of the German school. When did all this... When did it start? Like, when did the league start, or when did the... Ooh, I think Like, it was, the influence begin from the military bases? I think it was the 60s or 70s the league was oh, starting wow. around. Yeah, okay. so it's been around for a while. Um, Mannheim was basically the, the first team there, and it was the powerhouse. It just kept winning. They had the... They st- I think they still have the most amount of championships... Now it is Heidenheim have won like three or four straight in the past years, and then Regensburg had a, had a streak for about four or five years, but they won it, kept winning, kept winning it every year. They had one guy on the team, Mike Bolensberg, who actually pitched for Mike Bolensberg. Yeah, yeah Bolensberg. Yep, he, uh, he pitched here. I want to say 2011. Yeah, so he pitched for Regensburg, and then he switched over to Heidenheim, and he's still pitching there. And he kicked around. Uh, yeah, he was still he was on the Dutch team at the WBC, I think. Yes. As well, yes. they were in some one of the qualifiers. Uh, I remember last fall because when when Mike was here in 2011, I had uh, a, an intern broadcast assistant named Sean Houston. So Sean ended up moving to uh, Europe. He lived in Dublin for a while, and now he lives in Amsterdam. And he goes to, uh, it was in Germany, I think, where they had a qualifier, a WBC qualifier yeah, or some team event. Yeah, last last fall. And he, and he ended up going. He wants to see a little baseball or whatever. And he shoots me a note and it says, hey, you'll never guess who's pitching here for the Netherlands, Mike Bolzenbrook. So that's funny that you know him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we basically almost see each other every day during when we were um, – Renovating the whole stadium and like expanding it to get it ready for the WBC qualifier because they built like a whole new yep. three-story building on the on the um, first base side and a whole brand new dugout and whole just everything all got upgraded for well, the WBC qualifier. Nick Ward was there. Yeah. Who's now the Blue Claws? Uh, Blue Claws starting third baseman. He was in Germany for that with Team Great Britain and they ended up uh, obviously qualifying, uh, coming out of there and earning a spot. Yeah. It was definitely an amazing experience to like watch it happen, but also be involved in it as well to get the field ready and to then to hand it off to Murray Cook and his crew, and then we all just worked together and got the field was just ready to go for the seven games, and we had to pull tarp, I believe, sixteen times during that time. Then the seven. How long was the thing? The, like a week. It was like a week long, yeah. and we had to pull it sixteen times. True. And the amount of rain that we got during that time, there was no rain all summer. Got about 180% more than what Normal. you usually get. Brutal. But part of the deal, I guess, right? Yeah. So 
how did the when did you want to become a groundskeeper and work in, in that side of it? Forget marrying it to the, the baseball part in Germany, but when over here uh, um, did that come to be for you? Well, I was working at the Red Bulls. The Rutgers University has a professional turf golf program, and it went online. Mm-hmm. So during that time, one of the the bosses, Dan Shemish, he told me, he's like, hey, you should take this class. It'll help you a lot. And I looked into it, applied for it, and then while I was traveling to Germany, I took the classes, and I was working from, I guess, during the day, and then the classes were from 5 to 11, so I was doing both at the same time. So then how did you end up doubling up as a relief pitcher and groundskeeper in Germany? I reached out to the, the, the guys on the team, Reached out to the captain, uh, Matt Vance, who played for the Philippines national team, and he's been there for, I think, 12 years now. Won a few MVPs, won a, a bunch of championships with the team, and he was like, yeah, I want this guy on the team. And I joined on. We had pretty good years. Last year we won the, the South Division, and then we made it to the semifinals. What's the postseason like structure? Um... It's uh, north versus south. Two teams from the north, two teams from the south? Uh, four teams. Oh, it's four teams from the north, four teams from the south? Yeah. Cool. So, what was the day like for you when you were doubled up? Like, you might pitch, you might, and you obviously you got to do the field work and everything. Um, it was pretty exhausting. I tried to work with, with the manager and what, what my schedule worked best with and then try to delegate it to the other kids like the academy kids to help out as well and just organize it where i conserve energy and then put it onto the field as well because i mean here you know you're going to cut the grass here you know eight o'clock in the morning or whatever mm-hmm. what what was your call time for on a, a game day um seven o'clock game i would cut the field probably around 10 11 and then set it all up and then a lot of the guys would help with setting up BP and getting the whole field ready as well, the guys on the team. And most of the guys on the team, depending on which team you play for, you either get paid by the club or with Regensburg, you, a lot of the guys are just there to play because they go through the academy and then they're just there supporting the club and building it up. You know, during the WBC there were some stories with like the, the guys from the Czech Republic and this guy's a high school teacher, and this guy's the plumber, and this guy's a, you know, a craftsman or something. Or con- works in construction. This guy's an accountant, and he's like the shortstop, and he's an accountant. Yeah. Was it kind of like that? Yeah. 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 There's a few kids that were students, and then most of the other guys all worked as well. And then they would go to work, and then come to practice at seven o'clock, and practice from seven till nine-ish. So. Who is the who is the who are some of the managers in the league? Were they like German citizens? Were they guys that came from over here? Um, it was a mix between Italy, um, Germany. A few guys were from from the U.S., but then they eventually got their um, German citizenship, and then they stayed there and um, helped grow their programs. Like uh, one of the coaches, Matt Kemp, and. Paderborn. He moved over to Germany and stayed there and got his citizenship and all that stuff. 
That's cool. That's really cool. So it all started for you because you were able to get Irish citizenship and be an EU player, correct? Yes. Without that, it makes it tough because you can only have X number of non-EU players. Yes. So when did if when did you learn that you could get Irish citizenship and then that'll segue into the Irish national team stuff too? Um, when uh, my oldest brother, he was looking into it as well. As well, and when he finished up getting his um, citizenship, we took all the paperwork and then got it for everyone else. In the, the family, time. yeah. And he he didn't look at it from a sporting perspective. He just thought, yes and no. Like he just trying to get it and see how it went. And yeah. What it took to to get it, and then he just. So how did you qualify for it? Parents, gr- grandparents. Your grandparent has to be born in Ireland, or parent. Yep. And then you have to have their um, birth certificate from Ireland, then either death certificate, which makes it a little harder because you have to figure out, like, those rules get a little more confusing. But as long as the grandparents alive and you get their birth certificate and then their certificates here as well, and then you send out your, your paperwork and then it just takes about maybe a year, less than a year, and then they say, hey, you're a... Uh, Citizen with Ireland now. So for you, it was grandparent? Yes. Grandmother from Kildare in the county of Allen. And they grew up near the, the bog. Okay. The bog is where you pull up turf. Turf heats your home. And that is how they heated their home for all these years. And now they're putting restrictions on turf because of the environmental consequences of it but it's still all natural it's like explain that again turf is a mixture of burnt forest and clay all mixed together they pull it up from the ground it's natural yeah it's all natural you pull it from the ground you let it dry out and then it becomes like this dry dark piece of brick and you put it in the oven and it heats the whole house wow yeah and they did that in Ireland yeah that's what they mostly did to heat their homes until they got gas lines and yeah. the petrol. That's crazy. Yeah. So you have grass and outdoor stuff in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's been in there. Um, a lot of the uncles and cousins were, and uh, grand grandparents were part of the turfing competitions as well. And they, what are those? It was like just how fast you can pull up the turf by hand. How big a I'd say it's about like that piece of uh, electric uh, plug the, right yeah, there. Yeah, the uh, charge protector. Yeah. And how like thick, how heavy is it? Um, and you have to like shape it? No, it's just the machine comes in, pulls it out like a perk, and then you just, it just breaks off easily. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. So, what was your first experience like with the Irish national team? Um, it was amazing. Like, the whole time there for the three weeks I went there after playing any boy I lost. In what, y- what year is this? 2018. I went there during, I think it was July. Yeah, I think it was July. Went there, played in a tournament, and... It was like a Ashbourne International tournament that they host every year. They'll have 
three teams come come in. One's the like an all-star team in their league. Another one was like a USA college team. Uh, and another one I think was from like the North League as well. And then we played that game for the week. We won it. Had a week in between to like practice and do camps as well. And that was an amazing experience because the kids there they don't really have exposure to baseball and what you should and what yeah. shouldn't be done and how, oh, I can do this or I can do that with the swings or with a throw ball. So they're just learning it straight fresh. And they were just all so excited and passionate about, like, doing it the right way and trying to learn how to do it the best way and be good at it. Did they play cricket or no, anything they, else? No, they play... Um, curling? Curling. Yeah curling so when they swing though they swing with the opposite hands oh that's weird yeah they swing the so bat like with the a right handed batter would have their right hand at the yeah bottom and they toss the, the ball up in front of them and they and then they hold the bat with the opposite hands and swing it across yeah. interesting yeah yeah I can't it, it's weird you can't even try to do it you can't really do yeah. it if you played ba- if, I mean, if you swung a baseball bat or a softball bat uh, here in the US yeah so What's kind of the is that Irish national team still still going? What's kind of the future there? Yes, it's it's still going. There's, they're still building up a, a academy over there. Um, the team's had its ups and downs over the over the past two three years. Um, and it's tough. I mean, you saw in the WBC. There, there's a lot of teams that and the qualifying for the WBC is very competitive over there. It's it's not easy. Yeah. After the 2019 year, when we played in Bulgaria, they had Israel playing there, Russia, Greece, and Bulgaria, and Serbia. And that was probably the most competitive baseball that we've ever seen for the the national team perspective. Yeah, Israel's been in a couple of WBCs. Yeah. They have big league guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a few guys there throwing low 90s, 90, 93. Yeah. As well as the, the Russian team had a few former Cuban professional guys. <laughs> and those guys had the, the Latin blood in them, so they knew how to how to play the game and yeah. play very well at it. And baseball's huge in Cuba, obviously. Yeah. I did get the pitch against Russia. I was doing all right for the first few innings. And then... Had a really rough last inning. It just blew up. Where one guy, one Cuban guy, he their shortstop, he kept hitting home runs for the whole tournament. Hit a, a line drive home run off of me to like take the lead after we were leading for like two, three innings. He pimps the bat and like throws it right in front of the, the mound, and I'm just keeping my cool. And uh, the next Cuban guy comes, and I'm like, hey, come get your bat. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept my cool the whole time. And then the first pitch, I throw him a slider. He, like, backed away the entire way because he, he knew, like. Yeah, you were going to come inside. Yeah. He was thinking, uh-oh, I'm, I'm done for. Did you come back and win the game? No, we lost. We lost, unfortunately. Back to the podcast in a second. Since 1986, Rich Green Lawns has been the leading lawn fertilization company of the Jersey Shore providing lawn fertilization, bed weed control, take a mosquito control, as well as tree and shrub programs. 
Mention this ad and save 50% off your first loan application. Call or text us today at 732-370-5963, 732-370-5963, or richgreenlawns.com. And when shopping for appliances, electronics, and mattresses, you want a local hometown team that you can trust. That's PC Richard & Son. PC Richard & Son is a friendly and knowledgeable sales team, installations and repair service you can trust, and the guaranteed lowest prices. So get to PC Richard & Son today. Shop smart, shop local, shop PC Richard & Son. The majority, the vast majority of athletes never get to wear a country's name on the front of their jersey. So what what is that like for you? It is a complete honor. And the amount of pride that you have to, to wear a country's name, especially where you know that those are all your roots where you came from, where you can identify from, where you know this is where it all started for many generations where they all grew up. And then grandma journeyed over here and started a life in the, in the American dream way. And then we still kept those Irish traditions that growing up as well being the, the Catholic way, um, having the Irish dinners and and the, knowing how to make soda bread and the Irish tea that where you can only get a certain tea. You can't go to the, the other tea spots. Yeah. It's only the certain tea bags that you get, and that's the only way to make tea. And then how to make tea. Where did where did you grow up? In Brooklyn, New York. And where did your grandmother settle in Brooklyn yeah. when she came over? Yeah, she came over in Brooklyn and when she was 18 years old, she took the, bo- the boat over from Cork. To Ellis Island? Yeah. Yeah. So you- well, she, she missed it by two years. She didn't go into Ellis Island. Oh, okay. She went into the the pier port on the, um, the West Side Highway. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I know where that is. So, you're still playing, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, how's, that, how's the arm? It's definitely... Getting old. Well, it's not as 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 the rubber band that I used to have. Yeah, I definitely do do feel it now more often than than usual. So where did you play? Did you play collegiately? What high school did you go to? And how did you, you know, where did you play when you were younger? I played at Fort Hamilton High School in Brooklyn, New York. Played there for four years. Was the um was a POCL all-star player, was in the newspaper for the pitcher's all-star selection, was top four for ERA, strikeouts, I think walks, like walks to nine. Led all that with top five as a pitcher for the PSAL. Went on to play at Concordia College in Bronxville, New York, D2 school. Played there for four years, and then had to do a fifth year to finish up college. Had a surgery surgery for my hernia. I did not know I had, and then got that surgery done. I was always in pain my last probably two years of, of college, feeling a lot of discomfort. So then during that fifth year of finishing up school, I was able to get the surgery. Jumped into indie ball, and my whole body felt way stronger and, and produced way better results. Where'd you play indie ball? Empire Professional League. And where's a, that? It's a startup league. We played in um, 
Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Okay. SUNY Plattsburgh and SUNY Sullivan. We travel every um, five five days. We play five games, and then we had an off day. Some something similar to this. Tuesday yeah. through Sunday, and then the the Monday would be a travel day where we would drive. How long to did you next do that? Field. For two or three months, and then did that for another season. But that next season, I was going to play for Ireland, so I only did it for a month. I played for the um, New Hampshire Wild in Laconia. Mm-hmm. But my first year, I played for the Puerto Rico Islanders. And it was mostly a Puerto Rican team based out of Puerto Rico, but it was the first travel team to travel to each location in, in the States. So and you played... In Puerto Rico. The next year we did. We played in um, Rincon and... Not Rincon, um, Aguada and Aguadilla. So you've played all over the world here. Yeah. I've been playing in a lot of places. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. What was the culture like in Puerto Rico? Amazing. Like, it's just the baseball vibe. Like, yeah, the whole... Yeah. You go to the field, play baseball, and then after you go to the beach or just hang out and then... Everyone's either working out or just hanging out at the beach, just enjoying enjoying life, feeling well, relaxed. And then you go to the baseball field and you get to feel relaxed and play and have fun. What were some of the teams in that league? Um, in Puerto Rico, when they expanded the year after, there was a Explorers team, the Guada Explorers. Then there was the Puerto Rico Islanders, the New Hampshire um, Wild. I'm still trying to get over there. There's a team that played in Puerto Rico. The same league had a team in Puerto Rico and New Hampshire. Yeah. So we flew to Puerto Rico for the first two weeks of the season and then flew up to New Hampshire. Well, flew flew back to Long Island and then drove up to New Hampshire. Played there for a week. And then I went over to Ireland after that. What year is this? Um, 2017, 2018. 2017, that's fantastic. So, you played baseball in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Ireland, Germany, and then where did you play with Ireland? Bul- Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Slovakia. Uh, Austria. And Italy. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of guys will play... For five teams, and yeah. you played in yeah. eight or ten, whatever it was, eight or ten countries. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, when we did our spring training, we played against Bologna and Parma during our spring training last year. Bologna, I've been to. Bologna. I've never been to Parma. But I've been to Bologna. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful city! Yeah, it is real like ancient. Yeah, vintage. Uh, there's like you can walk a mile and you go from like literally the. 1300s. There are churches there from the 1300s to buildings that were built, you know, this week. It, it, within a mile, it's it's pretty wild. It's a gorgeous city. Yeah. How is Parma? How how is how? I know baseball's gotten a little bit better in Italy too. Yeah. And they just qualified for the WBC, and uh, and had a good run. Made the quarterfinals. Uh, we had a player. We had two, two former Blue Claws were on that team, Italy team. Nick Fanny, who pitched here in 2017, and Vito Frischia, a catcher, who played here in 2021. Okay. So, 
and they're kind of in a similar boat to Germany, right? They, you know, they, they have a couple pop-up academies, a kind of a smaller league that they're trying to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it is. And Italy's got beautiful weather all the time. It sometimes yeah. gets a little cold during during the winter, but it's not as bad as most of the No, Europe. you can play, I mean, except in the northern part. Yeah. And even in probably the non-mountainous northern part, you could probably play the whole, most of the year, I would think. Yeah, it's very but similar to this weather here. Yeah. But obviously in Germany you can't, especially the northern part of no. Germany. Is, no. Yeah, just way too cold. So uh, your your winding road takes you to the to the Blue Claws. Uh, how, how have you liked it so far in the in the two months you've been here? It's been a great learning experience. I've been exposed to a lot of um, situations that I'm solving, and it's. I enjoy solving problems, so that's just, just something that I walked into knowing what happened and being able to produce a field that everyone was amazed at for over the two weeks when the season was about to get started and being able to produce a field so that the team was ready to play on it. And Yeah, you got thrown into a tough spot. Obviously, coming off of a winner, you know, we have... You know, and then you're playing, you know, a lot of games. And you finally got a little breather there with that two-week break. But now I think it's starting on uh, starting on Tuesday. It's two in a row, three out of four, four out of six, yeah. something like that. So the field is definitely going to earn its keep here over the next six, four to six weeks yeah. for sure. What do you try to do to keep I, – I, I know it's nice to get the two weeks – a very limited use uh, with the field. How do you think it's held up uh, the first part of the season? And uh, you know, what what kinds of things are you going to try to do to keep it sharp over the this upcoming stretch here, where they'll be uh, in a 13-day period? Uh, there'll be 14 games here. Yeah, um, just keeping on top of everything. We're Wherever you, you find abuse spots where it has high traffic, such as first base, the mountain home plate, and then shortstop, second base areas where there's possible clay conditioner build up into the into the grass, and you just got to stay on top of it as much as possible. And, and having a plan, having the right amount of people to be along with the plan the allows you to keep the field in a maintained area. The, the weather's been, I guess, it, it's been okay. It's either poured or it really hasn't rained, yeah. which I guess you could probably live with. Rather, I think you'd r- probably rather have that than, uh, you know, a little bit of rain every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd rather want it to either I mean, rain. I wish I'd rather, I wish I, if it if it has to rain, I'd rather do it on a Tuesday or Wednesday than uh, <laughs> Friday or Saturday <laughs> Yeah, uh, as we keep getting, but that's all right. That is definitely a, a tough situation to deal with because you want to get the games in, but you also. I mean, can't there are scenarios where you can't get the game. Yeah. It is what it is. It's mother nature. It's just going to keep raining, and there's only so much you can do. And the radar says it's not going to rain, but it's raining. What? Um, go back a second. What was your favorite international uh, city that you've gotten to? Explore. Uh, 
Turbot International City. I think Prague. Prague. Yeah. I've heard that's beautiful. Yeah. How long were you there? I was there for two days. What did you like about it? Walked around the whole city. Walked up to the, the top of the, the mountain where they have the castle and the church. And the churches that are all, like, spotted around the whole city. It's just, like, you walk in, you're like, wow, this is amazing. You walk into the next place, it's like, wow, this is just genius architecture work that blows your mind how how it happened without any of the, the gas technology that we have and the machinery that we have. What uh, city that you've been to for baseball had the best food? Best food. Um, Germany's food has some very good Bavarian food. Where they had this like a uh, Schweinhocks, which is like a pork knuckle. It has like the fried. Oh, it's almost like the crusty um, fat on it, but like the meat itself is like nice and soft. But I think um, Italy always has the best food. Yeah. Amsterdam has some very good uh, desserts. Um, Bulgaria, their food is is um, very good cuisine, and it's not expensive at all. But you can get two, three times the amount of food that you want for the same prices as what you would get here. Is it good? Yeah. What, what kind of good. food? Just all different food, like um, chicken kebabs, Mediterranean-style food. Have you thought about, uh, like, getting back over there, trying to see some more of the, the world since you've been exposed to more than most people get to? Um, like, do you want to go back over? Possibly. But as of right now, not not yet. I'd like to take a break and enjoy the the U.S. again and, and be able to, to build over here and, and, and gain experience on, on real fields and stuff and, yeah. and get the exposure to the environments here so I can be able to maybe bring it over there or just keep growing from there. What's the, what's the future of, uh, of baseball in Ireland? It is a continuous growth. We're working on growing baseball programs all over the Ireland, and there's a main hub in Ashbourne that has a baseball academy that has like a state of arc batting cages with um, trackman, yeah, hitman thing, um, full gym. And they're trying to grow there. They just had three guys signed for college baseball in Ireland. And it's just a matter of getting the exposure and getting the right exposure to teach the, the game the right way in Ireland instead of it um, being confused to the kids. You want to try to teach them it the, the right way with the passion of the game so that they can bring it on to the field and then be able to play with it. Are you still involved with the national team and the national program? Yes. Yes, I still keep in touch with them and try to get them as much knowledge and, and 
resources as, as we can get them because we just need to help keep growing the game over there. So what's the goal? They want to get into like the next WBC qualifier, that kind of thing? Yes. Yes, that is, that is the intentions as of right now. We're trying to win Pool B next year and then get up to Pool A. Um, I think you have to qualify in the top five to get put into the WBC qualifier. So if you place in the top five in Pool A, Which is when? you get a, um, I believe next year, next September. Gotcha. And, then, and then the qualifier, I think, happens like right after that. Yeah, because the event's not until 27? I don't know. I think it went back to the four years. So they skipped the, the year. Yeah, they, well, they pushed they it go, back, I think, twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was supposed to happen in 2020. Uh, yeah. Right. It was supposed to happen in 2020, and then they pushed it back because of the lockout. Yeah. So they had it in 2023, and now, yeah, the next one will be in 2026. Yeah. So they'll do, yeah, the first set of qualifiers in 24, which will be next year, and then the rest of them in 2025. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Well, Mitch, thanks. I kept you longer than I said I would. Um, but keep up the great work here with the Pool Closet. It's a, it's an amazing baseball story and journey that you've had. And uh, keep up the uh, keep up the great work. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Blue Closet head groundskeeper Mitch Hillard for joining us on Hook, Line, and Splitter, presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law. Baseball fans introducing Bally Live, the only app where minor league baseball fans can score major rewards. When you stream your favorite teams, you'll score rewards. When you chat with friends during a watch party, you'll score rewards. And when you test your skills at trivia, you'll score rewards. Being a fan of the minor leagues has never been so rewarding. So what are you waiting for? Download Bally Live for free from the App Store or Google Play Store and start scoring rewards today. Blue Claws are in Aberdeen, and they'll be there for a couple of more days through Sunday. They've won two of the first three, had a doubleheader on Wednesday. So we're recording this Thursday. So Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Monday is Memorial Day. They're off. And then Tuesday, it'll be a big start, a big stretch. 14 home games in 13 days starting on Tuesday night. Quick run through of some of what's going on next week here at the ballpark. Next Thursday, Thirsty Thursday, or I guess next Wednesday, the 31st, is a doubleheader, making up a game rained out at the end of April. Next Thursday, Thirsty Thursday, next Friday, is the first Medusa's Day Jersey Shore night of the year with postgame fireworks. Next Saturday, June 3rd, another doubleheader, 535 start, Buster's birthday, presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law. Uh, and then next Sunday, Kids Day Sunday, that wraps up the Brooklyn series, eight games in six days. Hudson Valley comes in on June the 6th, Tuesday, and they will be here for six days. Thursday the 8th is... First Responders Night, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health and Thirsty Thursday. Friday the 9th is Pride Night, hat giveaway, first 1,500 fans thanks to Coca-Cola. Next Saturday is Irish Heritage Night, live music from the Snakes as part of the Pharaoh's Tea Summer Concert Series. And then next Sunday is Salute to Dad Day, presented by Rothman Orthopedics with Touch'em Trucks and a post-game father-child catch on the field. So a lot going on next week. Join us, 732-901-7000 or Blue Claws. Com. I'm Greg Giambarisi. Thanks to our special guest, Mitch Hillard, Blue Claws head groundskeeper, member of the Irish National Baseball Team. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you in Short Town next week. Thanks for listening to Hook, Line, and Splitter, the Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. <laughs>